You are listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday Sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Now, here is more to the story. Welcome to the Forefront Church Podcast. This week we have with us Pastor Darren Enns. How you doing, sir? Hey, I feel like we've been, I know my voice has been on this podcast recently, but it's been a couple other weeks. It's good to be back. Yeah, we... Yeah, no, we had kind of like a uh, mid-season or like a summer lull there. Now we're yeah. getting back into in-season shape here to get everybody back together. It's like two Pastor, days. Pastor True Tarwater, how are you doing? I'm good, fellas. Good to be with you. Excited to talk about today's topic. Oh, boy. Right? And I'm Rob Lazzi. I'm here to speculate the whole time these Perfect. guys are talking. We need I somebody spe- to. I am the speculator. We are talking about the Left Behind series. <laughs> sort of at least the first part yeah so that may or may not be true it's it's all true i saw it on history channel so it must be true it guys has to be. i just <laughs> i has history channel ever been wrong only a couple times right so but not that many and over minor things too so right, right. but drew can you give us a recap of what you preached about yeah, weekend. so we're wrapping up our uh, year and a half long greater story series, and we were in uh, the book of Revelation, and uh, we were looking at the tribulation. And so there is so many questions about the tribulation, and we talked about the rapture a little bit, and it's this period of time, and that that we really see in Revelation six through chapter 16, where we get this picture of like these three divine sevens, which many Bible scholars say, this is the period of the tribulation, uh, the time where, um, you know, there is just a hard, difficult time for believers, a really difficult time for humanity. And then there's a point in time where God brings judgment on the earth and it sparks a just a huge conversation about, well, are God's people uh, a part of this? Does God use these people to speak judgment? Or does God get the church and the believers out of there before things get really tricky? And uh, that is really referred to as the rapture. And so it's going to be fun to kind of look at some of those views today and dive into what we think about them. All right, so let's start off then. What is more the tribulation? Can you break that down for me? Is Because like, isn't it that seven-year span of something? We aren't a hundred percent sure. So okay, here, here's <laughs> what? Here, here's what we know. I've, We've got ten chapters in the book of Revelation that show us these uh, three divine sevens, right? So there's seven seals, there's seven trumpets, and there's seven bowls. And I joke that they're kind of like nesting dolls because when you get to the seventh seal, it opens up into the seven trumpets, and when you get to the seven trumpets, it opens up into the seven bowls. Now, the idea of the tribulation being seven years uh, comes from the book of Daniel. And Daniel sees this vision with all these sevens. And so in, in, in this interesting kind of explanation on, he, he gives us a number of days, which can be extrapolated to seven years. And, uh, but remember that the number seven in the Bible is the number of completion or wholeness or fullness. So there is 
the question, is this just, is it a real seven years? Um, or is this just imagery? Is it symbolism? Because Tim LaHaye and Left Behind popularized the idea of seven years. Mm-hmm. David Jeremiah, uh, who is a, just a fantastic pastor and fantastic uh, author, has, uh, you know, done a lot of work on the book of Revelation, and he is what we'll refer to as a dispensationalist, which we can talk about that. And he, um, you know, has talked a lot about the seven years. So is it truly seven? I'm going to say that I don't know, but I'll ask Darren. Darren, is it truly seven? It is not. What? <laughs> what? So, yeah, I, I... That's not what Kirk Cameron said. No. <laughs> I, I, I apologize for that. I'm right now. Yeah, I don't know exactly where it comes from. Um, but if, if we're okay to like jump into the views on the rapture and the stuff. Um, so let, let me preface our conversation with this. A lot of the things we're going to talk about here have come from the idea that revelation is more literal than I believe it is. So if you've heard my introduction or, or listened to my sermon recently about how it really is symbolism, like all of this from this point on, <laughs> Until we, we get it right, I think. I don't know if we're going to get it right, but I think we're going to get it better. Is it, it's, it's just a little dicey when you start taking things in, in the, the story and making them literal and, and, and taking them out of a symbolic context. And so when we come and we see these, these numbers and we start to try and figure out exactly, exactly what it refers to, there's a line that we have to... to ride between i guess is the right is the right way because it's they're symbols and and it's not not literal but if the symbol is seven well then what does the symbol of seven mean it's probably not going to mean an exact seven years or seven days or seven hours but that that means something in the entire context of scripture seven has always meant a symbol of completeness the whole time and so i i tend to look at at the numbers in Revelation and really look at them symbolically. And so Drew did a great job with the sermon this past week because there's 144,000 people uh, that are numbered off in this census in Revelation 6. Um, is it 6 or was it it's 7? It's the, the very that opening of chapter 7. Opening of 7, right. Yeah. Um, and so he hears these people being counted from Israel, but then he turns and looks at them. And it's actually not just Israelites. It's people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. And in Revelation, that's that happens a couple times where John hears something, but then he turns and sees it, and what he sees is more real than what he hears. Whereas the hearing is is like kind of taking a characteristic of the thing and and then actually applying it in a different way. And so in Revelation five, when John hears that it's a lion but sees the lamb, the lion in traditional Jewish literature is is a conquering warrior king messiah. Um, so Jesus is a conquering warrior king messiah, but he's not doing it through military force. He actually did it through suffering himself. And so that's the true characteristic of what the messiah is. And so when we come to look at the people, it's a symbol of 144,000. It's not a literal number. It means the entirety of the people of God, which which is essentially the church. It's people who who believe and profess in the lamb as as God. Uh, and that would would include us. No, it's interesting to think about is like with all the symbolism and numbers. Now, I, you guys have studied many, many hours on this. I listened to a podcast just last week. So, um, <laughs> figures. So, yeah, right. Yeah. And so, one of the things that brought up that I thought was an interesting point with Revelation in general kind of, you know, pulls on what Darren was saying is that the type of literature Revelation is compared to what we have in our Western culture today. Yeah, we have nothing a, like it. 
it's apocalyptic and there like there's nothing even to compare it to so when we're reading this it's it would, the best way and maybe I, I heard it described would be like imagine seeing the highlights of a sports game that you have no idea how the game is played but you're getting kind of a recap of what went on hmm. but you don't know the rules of the game you don't know what the goals of the game are you don't know anything so you're just going well, that's kind of weird and interesting all in one. And you're now you're trying to, and that's all we have left is this recap of the game that we don't know how to play. Yeah. And often in apocalyptic literature, all numbers are symbolic, right? So you get things like the 144,000 people, you get the thousand year reign of Jesus as it's called the millennium, you know? And so when you read it literally, like in this wooden view box where you say, Hey, everything here happens, right? So this is a seven year thing. Every one of these seals, Trumpets and bowls are literal things that's going to happen to people. Um, Jesus is going to literally reign for a thousand years. You, you, you know, a lot of people have taken that view because it's a little simpler. When you look at the symbolic view of it, it gets muddy, right? You start to have to you have to rise yourself up above the horizon to that ten thousand foot view and start to say, okay, what is the big picture of what Jesus is saying here? And what is, are we, we to take away from this? Because this letter was written, as we've said a few times, to literal churches. It's also written for us, but it's not written to us, right? It's written to the church of Laodicea and Sardis and Smyrna and Philippi, you know, uh, Philadelphia, these churches, Ephesus. But it's also written for us. And so what is the symbolism we're supposed to take away from the, the tribulation, Darren? What do you think? If you had to sum up, what is the symbolism around this? what the tribulation means, how would you answer that? The symbol is that we as Christians have to have really good theologies of suffering because we are going through trials and temptations and sufferings in this world now. The idea that we would be snatched away or plucked out before the great capital G, capital T tribulation has only been a thing in the last Close to 200 years. 1827. So, yeah, 1827. Uh, yeah. Darby. John Darby Nelson. John Nelson Darby. And he's from the United Kingdom, right? Yeah, British yeah. guy. Yeah. So, so he, he's a Brit who had this idea, and it really caught on in the United States for whatever reason. And those are the only two places. There's Great Britain, kind of, there's some theology there, and only in the United States. It's only a, a Western English theology. Nobody else believes this. Why? Hmm. Because there's not a great basis in Scripture. It's taking a lot of verses out of context, creating a new idea over... It's, it, it just makes me really uncomfortable because I don't think it's responsible because there's a lot of fear that it's been used. Or it's been used to, to have some intimidation, a lot, a lot of fear mongering as well. But then the Left Behind series and really good-hearted, very smart scholars have adopted this view, right? And, you know, because it, it is so confusing when you say, hey, let's look at the scripture and it is the rapture, the real thing that happens before the tribulation happens, uh, or, or is it something that comes later? It, it's hard to say definitively yes or no. So a lot of people just say, hey, I, you know, I'm not sure, but I err in this area. Mm -hmm. And it really kind of developed a theological framework that, you know, the evangelical church adopted. And so right. a lot of people are, are are given the book of Revelation, and you can't just pick it up and read it and go, okay, this is what it means, right? You have to actually deep dive and talk to people who have spent the time studying it. And without doing that, a lot of times we just kind of adopt what maybe the majority view is. And I think the majority view, let's get into the views, is a pre-trib, so pre-tribulation rapture. The idea that Jesus comes and secretly gathers the church and takes them to heaven before the tribulation comes on the earth. So let's dive into these. Darren, Rob, 
I'm going to, I'm going to present this and let's talk about it. There's three main views of the rapture. There's the pre-tribulation rapture. There is the pre-wrath rapture, like so mid-tribulation, right? So at halftime of the game, as Rob joked earlier, or there's the post-tribulation view of the rapture. And so let's dive can into I, this. Can I, can I ask some defining questions? Like what's the, when we say this defining event, like with the, with the rapture, what is happening at this point in the pre, mid, or post? Like what's, what are but, we Like what is the happening? rapture? Correct. Yeah. So the English word rapture comes from a Latin word, rapturo, I think, which uh, doesn't come from a Greek word, um, which means it's not actually in the Bible. Uh, it's, but it's a translation uh, of, of a Greek word, uh, which there, there's three that we're going to jump into right here. So um, one of the main texts is 1 Thessalonians. I'm pulling it up here. 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 through 17. Um, yep. And when when we look through scripture at all the, the verses used to, um, to you know, prove the, the theology of the rapture, there's three words that happen. One, at least one of them happens in most of them. And here with the big ones, uh, first and second Thessalonians, as well as Matthew 24, they, all three are firing off in rapid succession here. So there's a word called harpazo. That's the Greek word. It means to snatch away. Uh, it's translated as caught up often. And then there's a parousia, which is uh, usually translated as coming, normally in the context of Jesus' second coming. And then there's another one called, um, they're named episynago, which is a gathering together. And so if you're familiar with the theology of the rapture, those probably make sense to you. So in First Thessalonians 15 through 16, um, it says, according to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming parousia of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep or those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive are left, or still alive and are left, will be caught up. And that is uh, the word harpazo, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. So specifically, verse 17, the rapture comes from this idea that we're going to be caught up or snatched away, as the word harpazo is sometimes translated, together with him in the clouds. Well, obviously, heaven is in the clouds, and we're going to be there forever. But it doesn't say we're going to be in the clouds forever. It says we will be with the Lord forever. That's an important distinction. Um, let's jump to the other one of the other big ones. Matthew, Matthew 24. I've got it right here. So in Go Matthew 24, Jesus is talking about kind of the future, the last days, and he's warning his disciples from falling for this like belief that Jesus is returning already. So, you know, they're saying, hey, you know, if somebody looks, hey, there's Jesus, he's coming out. Don't go look because... He says this, for as, verse 27, Matthew 24, for as the lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. And just as the gathering of vultures shows there's a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate the end is near. And so he talks about the sun's darkened, the moon gives no light, the stars will fall. Which, which happens in Revelation. Exactly what we see the in the day that. of the Lord, of the sixth seal in Revelation chapter 6. Then he says this in verse 30, and then at last, this, notice that at last, right? That's a key word. The sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among the, all the peoples of the earth, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with power and great glory. 
And this is the key verse here, 31. And he will send out his angels with a mighty blast of a trumpet, and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. So those are the, yeah, those are the main two. And if we just take those at face value, there seems to be some kind of, of time where Jesus comes and people who believe in him join him somehow, somewhere. And that's really the, the basis of the theology of the rapture, which so far what we've talked about is it, it's all true. Um, now, once we start to take this idea and, and try to extrapolate it further, that's when we get into some extra speculation, I think. Um, you know, combining this with the idea of a seven-year rap, seven-year tribulation, um, also the idea that um, will be that believers, the church, will be taken out of the world, um, and then suffering will happen. Um, I'll go back to my point I made earlier. The other parts of the world, they are experiencing suffering right now, and for them to think that they're going to be plucked out before the tribulation, it's incomprehensible because they are in the tribulation they are suffering it's really only um is that why it kind of makes more sense where the u.s and uk and that culture you know took on the took on this you know rapture mentality or like what you're talking about yeah most certainly like the the greatest conflict that the united states has ever been through on its soil is the civil war you know just think about anyone who had experienced world war ii who has experienced other things It, it just doesn't make any sense um that that there's a great tribulation coming like the rest of the everybody everyone else who believes in christ outside of the west knows that they're suffering it, it's just not a part of uh it's just a part of what it means to to believe in jesus yeah we get this almost storybook view that the tribulation is this end time crazy period where the world's fighting against each other there's the antichrist risen up and the world's governments are all united together and the evil people have chip microchips in their hands and it's just it's a very futuristic sci-fi storybook um kind of ending but if you I read this one yesterday. I want to hit this one. In Revelation 3, remember, this is written in 90 to 95 AD. Jesus tells John to write a letter to these seven churches. And so he writes to the church in Philadelphia, Turkey, and he says this, verse 10, Because you've obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. And a lot of people have thought that to mean that, okay, before this great time of tribulation comes, this really hard time on the earth, Jesus is going to come take away the believers. And so they think, I will protect you from the time. So they say, okay, well, that must mean, combine that with 1 Thessalonians 4, that Jesus is actually going to come grab us out of here before it gets really hard. But I think the idea being that the tribulation, the time of tribulation is is really the story from when Jesus leaves the tomb to when he assumes the throne when all things are made right in the new heaven and new earth. That's the time of tribulation. It's it's just the 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 you know, we, we're living in the time of tribulation now. And if you look at the seven seals, trumpets, and bowls, that's you see today. And so what Jesus, I think, is saying here is that I will protect you. I will keep you during these hard times so you can endure well, which if that's the case, and Jesus is saying that I'm actually going to I'm actually going to keep you and seal you, which is what we see in Revelation chapter seven, that he's not actually telling us he's going to take us away and get us out of here before it gets hard. He's saying he's going to give us the strength to endure when it becomes hard. And that completely changes your framework on this idea of rapture. So yeah, here's and then 
Okay. Uh, I I have have a caveat to why I don't think that this passage refers to the rapture as we're talking about it. Now, everything you said, Drew, is, is true. Um, and, and when, when people start to take this verse and, and apply it to, uh, the idea that we're going to be kept from trials, none of the words, harpazo, parousia, episonago are in this passage. Right. The only one that's relatively close is erkamai, which is at verse 11, I am coming soon. But that's not, that's not like a, a second ending or second, um, uh, that's not a second coming type of thing, uh, type of word. That's just a generic word. That's that's what you text somebody. Yeah, I'm when here. You, I'm or I'm on my way. Yeah, I'm on my way. Hey, I'm I'm coming. <laughs> it's it's not the it's not the parousia. Um, parousia is very important because in other other Greek literature of the time, that word was referring to when the king or when Caesar was coming into your town. Um, if hmm. Caesar got to your the gates of your town. Before you all saw him, that was punishable. Like, that was not a good thing. Parousia means that you're going to go out to greet your Caesar king, and you're going to welcome him into your town and have a huge parade and procession. Exactly what happened when Jesus rode in on a donkey to Jerusalem. Mm. That was a parousia. The people went out, and, and they greeted their conquering king, and they escorted him into the town because our king is here. Our Messiah is here. He's going to conquer. It's the exact same thing that would happen with Caesar, where people would go out and before he got to the city gates and welcome him and escort him in. And so if Jesus, in his second parousia, that means that we believers are going to be caught up with him. We're going to go to him in the air, sure. Symbol of you know heaven is somewhere up, potentially. I think it's more in the midst of us than up. But um, it's, it's the idea that we're going to go out and greet Jesus, and then we're going to escort him back to earth. Because the entire thing is about how heaven and earth are going to be reunited once again. Um, the the thing in the thing that happens in Revelation four, where where God is worshipped on His throne, how's that going to happen on earth? Jesus' second coming, His parousia. We're going to go out and greet Him and bring Him right back down to earth. You're saying all my fears growing up when I couldn't find my mom at the department store that she got raptured up without me <laughs> or, or misfounded. Yes, very misfounded. Okay. And I, I apologize sure. on behalf of all theologians everywhere who that <laughs> moment, that exact thing you're describing, Rob, that has happened to so many people. And I, I apologize on behalf of theologians and pastors everywhere. Oh, it's it's one it's one of those f- interesting moments. Whenever you like, you can't find someone. You're like, all right, I was supposed to meet Drew for coffee, and he's not. He is he running yeah. late? Did he get raptured up before me? Like, what's how's this work? And so that's um, good. So the question then on like then back to where Drew was going with like the views on the rapture. Now I've you've mentioned the pre you know the pregame mid halftime and postgame rapture. So now I've heard this other one once again probably on History Channel. So you know it's true. Is what about the idea that it's already happened? Right. Have right. you heard well, that? That it, it is a, a really good a really good point because again you know John writes this letter to this church in Philadelphia in AD ninety five probably at the latest right and so you know this idea that that rapture has already happened is held by a lot of theologians a lot of theologians say that the rapture was when Domitian. Uh, was the mm-hmm. emperor of Rome, or even when Nero was the emperor of Rome? I mean, there was terrible Christian persecution going mm-hmm. on, right? So, yeah, if if you hold to this view that it happened pre-tribulation, well, we've gone through so much suffering; it right. must have already happened. Must have already happened, which is a logical outcome if you hold to that idea. But well, it's yeah. not a logical idea. And then you get, you know, so there's the let's talk about the the mid-trib, right? 
uh, or the pre-wrath rapture that they talk about. So when you look at the Revelation 7, 6 and 7, you see these this idea of these seals, right? And the sixth seal is the day of the Lord, which Joel prophesies as this t- crazy day when God comes to judge the earth. It's similar to what Jesus talks about in Matthew 24, right? Stars fall, the moon turns to blood, the, the sun is black. Uh, all, all imagery, right, for, for God's wrath and judgment. And so when you get to the 144,000, a lot of people speculate that that number is um, small, because it's the people that survived the day of the Lord. So they will say, okay, well, it may not be a pre-tribulation rapture, but it's a pre-wrath rapture. So at some point, Jesus raptures, he snatches away the church before the day of the Lord comes. And then, you know, after the day of the Lord comes, then there's this 144,000 that made it through the great tribulation. Or that's even the multitude John, or John tells us in Revelation 7, I think it's 14 or 17, that these are people who came out of the great tribulation. So some people have the view that, okay, the church leaves before the, before the wrath comes. God drops heavy artillery on the world, and then there's a group of believers who come out of that. And so that's the mid-trib version. Darren, thoughts? No. <laughs> Don't like that one either. <laughs> agreed, agreed. I, I just again, I see this call by Jesus all the time through the Gospels and all the time through the Book of Revelation to endure, to persevere, and to trust. Mm-hmm. Why would Jesus say the one who is faithful to the end is saved? If and I'm not saying that you can lose your salvation. I'm just saying Jesus is calling us. He's challenging us to be strong and to endure. Why would he tell us that oh, that that dozens and dozens of times and then yank us out before it gets hard? Right. First Peter is all about enduring right. trials and suffering yeah. and persecution because it's happening to them right. in that in that time. So yeah, yeah it, that it doesn't make any any sense that that Jesus would talk about enduring and then oh you don't have to endure. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, just kidding. Thanks for, you know, I just got you prepared, but we're going to we're going to rest the starters, yeah. you know, kind of, kind of thing. Okay, so let's talk about the third one then, post trib. Okay, so post trib is the view that that the the tribulation happens, believers endure the whole thing, and then Jesus returns. And when Jesus returns, that's when 1 Thessalonians 4 happens and the church meets Jesus and Jesus ushers the believers to heaven. And then Jesus comes down on the earth and reigns for a thousand years. Now, the post-trib one is interesting because it hinges on this idea of the millennium. Which we're not going to get into now, right? Yeah, we need to wait a couple weeks to talk about this one. But anyways, we'll be here for another half hour at least. Let's just tease that. Yeah, that's uh, that's the... What about about when you said like there could be no trip? Like, what's that? I I think... That seems like an interesting way to end it it all. I I think, well, if there's no trip, I, I think we're in the trip. Right. Like we're just we're just in it. Yeah. It's the time between the tomb and the throne. Right. It's the time it's the time now. And and the reason that I think this is is likely is because um there's a lot of passages about num- with numbers in Revelation. Um you might hear something like uh what is it, forty two months, twelve hundred and sixty days and three and a half years. Right. Those are those are the exact same amount of time. If you add them up, you get to ten and a half years, which makes no sense. Right. That's not a number. So if you look at the number three and a half years, which is twelve hundred sixty days and forty two months, then you get to this idea we're in the we're in the the smack middle of this time between the tomb and and the throne. What verse is that? We wrote it down. Revelation twelve fourteen. Yep. I'm gonna go look at it. Just one one occurrence here. So um 
we're plucking this out of context, but here it is. There's like a dragon and they're, he's pursuing the woman and a child and stuff. So the woman was given the two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness where she would be taken care of for a time, times, and half a time. So if you take a time as one, times as two, and half a time is 0.5, you add those up and you get 3.5. Um, and that is the same number as 42 months, 1260 days, 1260 days, and three and a half years. Um, it, it's it's the time just smack dab in between of seven, which is the completion of time, and we're in the middle of it. So all this stuff that we are experiencing that John is 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 seeing, that that is being revealed to him, all these things are uncovering the truth about evil in our world, in our day and age. So when we talk about the four horsemen of the apocalypse, what'd you say they were, Drew? They were war, conquest, conquest famine, and death. That which happens is the now. average day in humanity. Yes. <laughs> right. Th- those things happen today. You you can't deny it. And and so to think these four horsemen are gonna be let loose in the future and there's gonna be guys riding like Hades is riding around on a horse. No, right. it, it's a symbol. Yeah. And and it's all things that are unfolding in our time, and Jesus is giving John a peek behind the spiritual curtain. Here's the truth about evil, and, and this is what we see, and you're in it now. So yeah. have a good theology of suffering, endure to the end, be faithful, and eventually Jesus will come and we'll greet him, we'll usher him back down to the earth, and we will reign with him forever. Right. Not only so that, a thousand so then, years, forever. So then, I, yeah. so then I got a question here as we wrap this up for both you guys, is with all your studies and your of revelation in the Bible, how does it end? Like, what are, what are we looking for? Like, what is, what's... Like if there's, if we're in the tribulation is like, is there a rapture? Are we plucked up? Like, what are we, what do we obviously like, how's the earth and heaven combine again? Yeah, I'll go first here. You know, I, if you listen to the sermon this Sunday, I, um, I, I hinted at where I land on this, but what one thing I said was you need to go and in light of what you're hearing and in light of what you're studying, seek to truly understand, seek to understand the symbolism, seek to understand the, the ideas so that you can come up with an educated um, understanding. So, you know, learn to read the Bible for all it's worth. And I want you to not take my word for it or Darren's word for it or Rob's word, but fine. Good what old you, Bereans. Good yeah. Old Bereans. But, but at the same time, you need good voices in your ear. Right. So if you go and, you know, you listen to people who have certain views, they're going to frame your view. Um, They're going to shape your view. So where I land on this is, you know, I think what John is seeing is the the period of time after Jesus walks out of the grave to when he returns. And that is this picture we see in Revelation six to 16. So I, I tend to believe there's no tribulation that we are in the middle of it. There's not some designated seven year period but that we're in the middle of the tribulation. The, the, the picture of seven is a picture of wholeness, is a picture of fullness, right? So in the fullness of time, Jesus returns, mm-hmm. right? And so we are in the middle of that picture of the fullness of time for Jesus' return. And so therefore, what we're waiting on is for Jesus to come back. So when Jesus returns, then we meet him, as Darren said, we usher him down as the church, and then the Jesus restores everything that was broken, and we reign forever with Jesus on the earth, right? Jesus, everything is set back to right, to the way it was created to be. So I don't actually believe there's a rapture. Uh, 
please don't email me. We can talk about this over coffee. I, I think it, it is... E- email you to go out for coffee. Email me to go out to coffee <laughs> if you disagree, and I'd love to talk about it with you. But my view is that there's not actually the this rapturing where the church is taken away before things get hard and lives in heaven and then comes back. I believe that Jesus returns. Whoever is alive at the time Jesus returns, they welcome him in like the king. And then they reign together, and then the new heaven and new earth comes. We'll talk about this in a few weeks. And then all believers from all times are given new earthly uh, bodies, and we reign together in the new heaven and the new earth on this planet that's been restored back to good. So that that was a lot right yeah. there in one sentence. Yeah, and, and again, it's it's interesting just listening to you. It's, it's so hard to separate the imagery in Revelation from what we think will mm-hmm. happen. Right. Because this is the only way that we know how to talk about it. The only vocabulary we have is symbolism and imagery. And we're literal creatures. We just are. And so it's it's difficult to separate those two. But I just ditto everything you said. Um, it's, it's exactly true that like the end, whatever it actually is, it's going to be here on this earth. And there's some things that need to happen before that happens. That like evil has to be completely disposed of. And Jesus has the power to do that. And, and it's going to look tough. And we might be collateral damage in that, mm-hmm. our, our own lives. But because we have the hope in Jesus in, in the end, we know this current physical body that we have is not the end physical body that we will have. Right. Jesus was raised as a prototype. We read this in 1 Corinthians 15. His body was a prototype of, of a resurrected body. Um, and he, he was the first fruits, as Paul says there in 1 Corinthians. Uh, and someday we will have a body like that. And we will we'll be reigning with him somehow. But but I think reigning, this is getting ahead of myself to the end of like, you know, Revelation 21, 22. But reigning looks like the image of God. Yeah. That we're we, the original mission of reflecting God to the world and representing him is what we will continue to do in existence forevermore. So I, I joke that in, in 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 heaven, once Jesus comes back, I don't think we'll need pastors anymore. Um Right. I I'd I'd like to go back to Directing choir. That'd be fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll just play golf and be a golf pro. I'll, I'll play golf I'll te- with you. Teach people how to play golf. Teach yeah. me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm, what I'm hearing with the new earth is that there will be dogs in heaven and cats are still to be determined. Got it. That's what I heard in all that. Hey, now. <laughs> <laughs> but don't give up on this podcast yet because we've got three weeks left in the series and we still have lots to talk about. Um, Lots so, of speculating. Yeah, and so next the next week we're going to talk about um, the fall of Babylon. So the like the fall of the evil cities. Um, we're going to talk about Jesus returning, and then we're going to talk about the world restored back to right. So we got. Are lots we, we going to talk coming. about the Antichrist at all, or did like is that coming up? Like, that that'll probably of? be a podcast thing. Yeah, unless yeah. you mention yeah. it. Yeah, we're going to podcast. Well, you know, we've got Mark we got, of the Beast. We've got to talk about the Mark of the Beast. We've got to talk about the Antichrist. We've got to talk about how old you are in heaven. Wasn't it credit cards? Wasn't credit that Mark cards? Of the Beast? Yeah, the poem. Yeah, we got to talk no, about how when you get your heavenly body, uh, when you get your earthly body again at the new, you know, the new earth someday, are we all twenty five years old, or are we all thirty five, or eighteen? I thought we were thirty three. Yeah, 33, because that's, that's what when Jesus, Jesus died. Yeah. Okay. So we got lots to talk about still. That's an extrapolated. All right. and, and if you really want to get people fired up, the real question then is, do you stay married and heavy? Ooh. No, you do not. Well, thanks for ruining that one. <laughs> Dang, I, I can tell you why. Don't I, tell th- us This yet. is a we deep got, rabbit hole. Don't, hey, hey, we got more to talk about. Send, send all complaints to Darren. No, uh, send it to Jesus. <laughs> Jesus said that. I'm not. <laughs> but is that really not what me. he meant? <laughs> all right. Let's leave it at that.
If you got questions on this, which you may, uh, life at Forefront Church. You will after TV. today. <laughs> As like, is, if there's ever a podcast when you're more confused at the end than at the beginning, this it's may be today. It. So, and so, uh, life at Forefront Church type that TV. Send us your questions, thoughts. Uh, what what do you want answered or speculated on? And we'll be happy to speculate with you and for you. So thank you so much for listening, Pastor Darren Ends. Thank you so much. You betcha. My pleasure. Pastor Drew Tarwater, thank you so much. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Darren. Talk to you guys soon. And we'll know we're in the tribulation if the Broncos beat the Chiefs this year. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> That'd be trials and suffering for Drew right there. You have been listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of More to the Story.